Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Um, my guest today is Michael Pohl. He runs a couple of uh, investor groups uh, through Facebook. Mike, how are you doing? Hey, Rich. I'm good. Thanks. How are you? Good. Yeah. Can you tell uh, listeners, what, what are the names of the uh, two investment groups that you run and what kind of activities do you do in them? Sure. A sort of paid group, which is for investors, you know, with 10,000 cryptos. And I've been running that uh, for the last year. And that's called the New Money Mastermind. So um, that's really focused on investors um, who are to really understand how cryptocurrencies work and who have a bit of skin in the game, you know, already been investing for a while and just trying to understand kind of where we're growing because obviously this year has been a lot of growth, um, you know, in the whole crypto space. And so that's the paid group and the free group is uh, is called Crypto Curious People. And that's more for beginners who really just want to understand what cryptos are, um, you know, really sort of basic terminology and stuff just to help people get familiar with the, yeah, with the space. So so those are two groups. How, uh, how many members in each group? Uh, in the pay group, there's about 55 people right now, and the free group's got a couple of hundred. So the free group actually started very recently because there's so many people just kind of, you know, messaging me all the time. I thought, okay, let me just make a free group for for people. So that's quite new, and yeah, a lot of people jumping in there. I think you know the public awareness of cryptocurrencies is really taking off this year. So you know, it doesn't require any marketing. It's just you know word of mouth gets around, and um, yeah, we you know we're focusing on on mostly ICOs now. So I think that's also a very popular uh, buzzword. People don't really understand how to evaluate that space. So you know, maybe we can talk about that for a bit. Uh, for your audience, but I think that's you know that's a very emerging uh, you know growth area, probably the fastest growth area in cryptos right now. Um, but also a lot of risk, obviously. So yeah, so really key to to know what you're getting into before you start investing. What uh, what are some of the top questions people have in the uh, you know in the free group? What do people are you surprised at how much people know or how little people know? You know what kind of things um, do you have to cover? Yeah, the free group's really mixed. Today. There's people at all different levels. You know, some people have gone into cryptocurrencies a while ago. They're just kind of sitting on Bitcoin or Ethereum from from years ago, and they don't really understand ICOs. So they're still quite new to that space. And obviously, they're seeing there's a lot of growth there, and they're just trying to understand, you know, how do they how do they invest in that space? Um, because if you look at the space, you know, it's so new, it's so immature. There's um there's a lot of ICOs coming out, maybe dozens every week now. And obviously, maybe 80, 90 percent of them, I would say, are, are scams or at least, you know, uh, not not really going to be around in a couple of years. So I think you know people are obviously reluctant whenever whenever you don't understand something, you perceive it as risky. And, and that's kind of how cryptocurrencies was for a while. You know, when everyone 
thought it wasn't you know going to be around for ages and then obviously as we start to understand it better we realize where, where the long-term growth is and the upside is but now even you know people have been in bitcoin and ethereum for years they see icos as risky just because they don't understand it so i think you know even though people have experience in the space it's still still very new to icos and obviously we've got security tokens and the whole asset tokenization wave i think which is coming next so that's going to be even bigger than the app token you know growth we've seen on ethereum this year and so yeah so just really trying to understand those trends um, but yeah, people are all different levels. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the, uh, you know, about ICOs. You said there's, uh, you know, several waves. There's an app token wave and a new uh, software token wave. What's the difference in these different tokens and their attributes? Can you go into that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you know, initial coin offering is what ICOs are, and I guess you could kind of compare it to IPOs. You know, when companies want to raise uh, capital, you know, they go to Wall Street, they issue shares. Um, the ICOs are a little bit different because they don't actually uh, give you ownership of the company. So that's kind of the difference. I think a lot of people don't understand that. And therefore, they don't really understand what are you getting with an app token. So that's kind of the growth we've had. You know, that's why Ethereum has grown in price so much because all these ICOs are basically happening on the Ethereum blockchain. So for you to invest in these ICOs, you actually need Ethereum. So that creates a lot of demand for, for Ethereum, obviously, and that's what drives the price up. Um, but Ethereum is actually quite volatile because when these companies receive their funds, they obviously cash out their Ethereum for US dollars to actually fund their operations. So you have a lot of supply then dumped on the market. And that's why we see a lot of volatility in Ethereum. Um, so that's one thing people need to understand how that, how that works. Uh, but in terms of, you know, app tokens, that's really where the growth is this year. If you look at assets, you know, uh, like Veritasium or Populars, um, more recently like ZeroX, and then, you know, some, ones, some new ones coming up next week like Kyber, there's really a lot of hype in the space. Um, if you can pick the good ones, uh, I think, you know, you can really outperform the, the general market, uh, you know, for coins that already had a lot of growth. So that's what we try to help people do is understand, you know, this is how you can structure your portfolio um, to get some exposure to ICOs and obviously um, do that in a way where you're not, you know, you're not risking too much of your capital, but you know, side. So the uh, that's the sort of app token or you know ICO wave we're seeing right now. And after that, I think you know the security token wave, uh, which I mentioned, is basically going to be more like a, a traditional share where you actually own, you know, you have ownership. It's like a financial instrument, like a share, and, and that's obviously going to be huge because that institutional money is going to come into the space. There's different platforms, you know, trying to be the Ethereum for for stocks or for equities and assets like that. Uh, and that's going to be really exciting moving forward. So that's kind of the big trend, you know, I see for the next sort of six, 12 months, whoever cracks that space uh, is going to do really, really well. Oh, so you think that ICOs are going to switch to um, to security tokens and they're actually going to be partial ownership in a company? Yeah, I mean, right now there's a big gray area, you know, with the SEC in America kind of classify some ICOs as securities because of the way they're structured. So typically... If you are in a full or you're returning a yield or dividend to your your investors, your token holders, that is, you know, that is kind of considered a security token. So there's a bit of a gray area now, and a lot of white papers and, and companies doing ICOs are actually excluding American investors um, because they're worried, you know, about the the legal implications. Um, and I don't think app tokens are going away. I think they serve a very useful purpose. But right now we don't really have a, a security token model, and that's where the app token it's kind of hit its limit of what it can do. Uh, we really need someone to come in and actually, uh, you know, open up the space to make it more mature and actually that security token wave where it's uh, it's direct ownership of a financial instrument in the company and not just uh, an app token. So the app token is kind of like uh, the utility value of the system. So it's meant to be used by people actually using that software or that utility. It's not meant to be a, a, an investment vehicle or a speculation vehicle, but that's pretty much what's happened. 
obviously because there's so much growth in the space. Um, people are trying to, you know, see ahead. Um, it's very similar to, you know, the internet in the 1990s when all these new companies were coming out. No one really understood where it was going to go, but there was a lot of speculation. Um, obviously, a lot of, you know, new emerging layers and, and value. So uh, definitely worth, you know, looking into, but there's obviously uh, going to be a correction at some point. And we're actually seeing, you know, uh, correction all the time in the market, but um, but specifically with app tokens, yeah. I think uh, it, it's a very immature uh, market. So high risk, high return, and obviously tokens will come, and that will be a whole other wave uh, because you know it's trillions and trillions of dollars in capital assets that can be basically you know put onto the blockchain once we have uh, a better model. So yeah, so app tokens kind of have their limit in that sense. What's stopping security tokens from happening? Is just is there just no regulatory framework? Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, if yeah, if you look at if you look at um, what the SEC has issued, you know, um, the app the app token wave has kind of I guess got ahead of them. They haven't really understood it well enough, and governments are always playing catch up. So now they kind of see how ICOs are being used as funds, and in their mind, that's kind of a, a security. So you know, there's 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 lots of laws and rules and regulations around how you can market securities to to retail investors. Um, typically, you know, you can actually only issue these kind of uh, shares if you like to uh, accredited investors. So now the fact that tokens are available to anyone, um, maybe the government's worried that, you know, um, people are going to get scammed or defrauded. They don't understand what they're investing into because it's such a new space. And there's just no framework for for the security token market. Um, There's a whole other layer of sort of uh, KYC or AML that has to be done for for investing. So, you know, KYC is like know your customer requirements um, that you have to know who's investing into your, your asset or your fund. And then AML is the anti-money laundering. So a lot of regulations around that, that there's just no framework for in the crypto space right now. So a lot of companies are really trying to uh, work with the authorities and really establish some some ground rules for how we do that. And um, yeah, it's just like the Wild West at the moment. Why don't ICOs um, register their token offering as a security? I mean, what's some of the barriers to doing that? Mm, the barriers are just not even possible. It, what kind of is a few companies are kind of trying to do it, but the barriers are that you're not really allowed to issue securities to the public, to the retail, uh, you know, investment community, and that's what ICOs are doing. You know, anyone can buy an app token more or less. So, um, you know, from a legal perspective, if you're issuing a security and it's it's classified as a security, then you can't really raise funds the way you're doing it with with ICOs. So, you know, it's just like I said that the technology's kind of got ahead of the regulation, and the government's just trying to play catch up to really understand how this market works. Um, how they can regulate it and probably, you know, how they can tax it and profit from it because that's ultimately what governments like to do. And you said that 80 to 90% of the ICOs are scams. I've heard a lot of other people say this. Why? What do you think makes an ICO viable or a scam? If if I look at all the ICOs coming out and I don't know anything, Mm -hmm. how do I figure out what's good and what's bad? And how do you figure that out? Yeah, that's a really good question. That's kind of what the purpose of the groups are, you know, that I'm running. So um, if you're new to this space, it can be obviously super overwhelming because it's just too many white papers. You can't read through all this, uh, you know, information and one person just can't get through it all. So that's why I created the group for. Um, but in terms of, you know, why I said 80, 90% of scams, you know, maybe they're not even deliberate scams, but the way they're marketing their ICOs to the public or the, you know, the value they're trying to promise, a lot of this stuff is really, you know, speculation. There's no real tangible product right now because the technology is so new. Um, it's very experimental. And, you know, a lot of what people are promising, we don't even know it's going to be around in a few years. So technology is obviously changing so fast. Uh, a lot of these white papers are just concept and, and fluff. And, and we don't even know what's going to happen to these companies in a few years. So essentially, these are just software companies, right? And some of them are raising now 50, 100, 200 million dollars. So it's quite crazy the amount of speculation going into these uh, into these companies. It's really hard to justify the valuations. You know, a lot of uh, basically a lot of future growth is being priced into these companies when essentially they don't have any real product. 
So you can call that a scam, you know, whether it's intentional or not. But what I what I just mean is you just don't know if these companies are going to be around in the future because uh, they don't really have a product right now. And obviously, there's so much innovation that anyone can just come in and obviously disrupt the you know their, their market. So the way that I try to look at the space is obviously to find your your edge, your niche. Um, you know, I don't understand all these ICOs coming out, all these white papers. So I just I just try to ignore anything that I don't understand. My my personal background is more from finance and economics. Look at the fintech, uh, you know, space and some of the protocol layers that I think are going to solve some of the big problems. So, so the way I look at any opportunity is really to understand what is the problem they're trying to solve. And obviously, the bigger the problem, the bigger the opportunity. So, um, with fintech, you know, the basic problem I see with not just with the crypto space, but with the fiat banking system is is lack of liquidity, and that really comes down to trust and confidence, you know, between market participants. So the, the problem we have right now in the fiat world is that there's no trust between parties. The central banks have kind of become, you know, the, the ultimate authority, but uh, there's a real lack of trading and trust, and so the central banks are basically buying up all the assets. So this is creating a huge problem, um, you know, in the credit markets and the debt markets, where the governments and, and central banks pretty much own most of the markets at this point, uh, you know, to the point where it's not really a free market, and and that's kind of created a problem with growth. Um, obviously, we have zero rates, uh, interest rates, negative interest rates, destroying capital. Um, there's no real growth because uh, there's just so much debt, which is choking, you know, all the taxes, which is choking the organic growth in the market. So this is a big problem, obviously, more so in, in the West, you know, in Europe and U.S. And sort of basically investors and, you know, institutional money is looking for asset classes that aren't really correlated to these uh, to these fiat assets. And that's where cryptocurrencies is a really interesting investment because it's totally not connected to the fiat debt markets. Um, and that's why it's so interesting. So um, obviously, you know, there's probably more money coming into the crypto space right now than the infrastructure that it's there to, to handle. So there's definitely growing pains. And I think the, the crypto world also suffers from a lack of liquidity um, because right now most of the, of, the, of the trading happens on these exchanges, um, you know, like Kraken or Bitfinex or Poloniex. So uh, people have basically signed up on these accounts on these platforms and they're kind of in these, in these centralized exchanges. And the whole point of the blockchain is it's supposed to be decentralized. So really, we still have an issue uh, at a fundamental layer where uh, you have these sliders of capital and money can't really move between them very efficiently. So a lot of times you might see uh, like the price of Bitcoin in South Korea will be several hundred dollars higher just because the demand there is you know, so, so crazy. And, and in the US where it's not so high, uh, Bitcoin is less. And this kind of inefficiencies in the market is because of lack of liquidity. So just coming back to my point, when I look at the space, I'm trying to evaluate what sort of problems are these companies solving, specifically for me within the fintech space, because anything that's adding liquidity or decentralizing these layers is obviously going to solve a lot of problems and allow more capital to come into the space. So that's broadly how I look at it. And obviously, um, you know, different people will come from different angles to to really understand uh, the ICO space. But anything I don't understand, I just want to invest in. And that's a really good filter because that gets rid of, you know, probably 70, 80% of ICOs to, to begin with for me. Uh, does that make sense? When yeah, when do you think there'll be a um, a big shakeout? I, I mean, right now there's dozens of ICOs forming all the time, but at some point, you know, people are gonna have to show results, and there'll be winners and losers. When do you think there'll be a reckoning, and um, a lot of the tokens that have been around for a while will either survive or perish? Yeah, I mean, it's just like trying to time the top in the market. You know, you can never really say when it's gonna happen. I think we're already seeing some, obviously, some big moves by governments to try and regulate the space. And I guess the fear or the uncertainty of how that will affect companies is obviously affecting uh, valuations. So we're seeing big corrections you know, in the market right now. Uh, I think we, you know, we hit about $118 billion market cap uh, in total across the crypto space, and we're now around 120. So you know, that's like a 33% correction. And this is actually quite normal in any bull market. And a lot of people are freaking out because you know, the price is falling. But uh, you can look at the growth, you know, step back and look at the growth for the last few years. It's still, still crazy. Um, so you know, I don't think we're in like a bear market. I think there's still... 
uh, a lot of room for this to run. And along the way, you're going to get a lot of shakeouts. So anything that's not solid is just going to, you know, fall away. Um, and in terms of, you know, valuation, specifically in the ICO space, you have to be super careful about uh, how you, how which ICOs you get into. So even within fintech, uh, let me give you an example. You know, you've got companies like Tezos, uh, which is, you know, promising a lot of things. They don't really have a software product. And they basically raised, I don't know, some outrageous amount of money, like hundreds of millions of dollars. And there's really no incentive for them to even go and create something now because they've already, you know, cashed out. They've already got a, sitting a bunch of money. So I, I really avoid companies that are uh, uncapped when they're raising. I, I like to get into companies that have a hard cap, you know, around 10 to $30 million, depending on the business model. Uh, can they justify that valuation? But once it starts to go over to $30 million, it starts to get a bit ridiculous. And so... Yeah, you got to be careful who who you're following. Um, obviously, there's some big names in the space. You know, uh, people tend tend to jump on any project that like Vitalik's doing because he's got a big track record in Ethereum. People like him, you know, big names. Um, those are one way to kind of hedge your risk because if those people are putting a name behind a project, it usually means it's at least got a solid concept. Um, you know, they're buying into it, they're putting the name behind it that carries some weight. Um, and then you have sort of big funds like Pantera Capital have like a big hundred million dollar uh, cryptocurrency hedge fund. So if they're investing in something, obviously they've got a smart team, they're doing their due diligence. So you can kind of, you know, use some of those inputs and filters. There's a great analyst in the space. Um, like Ian Bellina, who kind of breaks down these companies, you know, looking how strong is the team, how strong is their MVP, do they actually have a product, is there a prototype, or is it just all fluff, um, who's who's their advisors, and then, you know, drilling down into token economics to work out, you know, how much money they're trying to raise, um, is there a pre-sale, is there an individual cap, all these kind of metrics actually affect how the price is going to perform after the ICO short term, and then also long term, what its potential is, you know, so you're just trying to filter out the 80-90% that really don't uh, have a solid team or a solid project, or they're just trying to raise too much. Um, and that leaves you with actually quite a small pool of ICOs to look at, you know, which which then you can dig in deeper. Um, so now we're going from the you know, investing in ICOs to actually investing in pre-sale, which is before the ICO. And that's really where a lot of value is, um, because if you can pull capital between people, you can actually get better deals and discounts. So it's very similar to, you know, IPOs. Um, the people that make money on IPOs are actually the people that invested pre-IPO. And then obviously once the stock trades on, on you know, Wall Street on NASDAQ, they will sell, they will exit, and they, you know, make, they make their 10x already once the stock goes IPO. So it's very, very similar in the ICO space. If you can get in pre-sale, negotiate big deals because you have more capital, then obviously you're hedging your downside risk as well. And that's, that's really key um, because this market is so speculative. What, um, what do you think the role of Bitcoin is right now and what will the role be? over the next couple of years? That's a really good question as well. And I think the, the, the role has kind of shifted. You know, people always say, oh, Bitcoin's slow. Uh, you can't use it for transactions. You can't pay for coffee with it. And they're really kind of missing the point of what Bitcoin's function is. You know, there's lots of other payment currencies now that are much faster for, for microtransactions. You know, you can look at uh, Omisgo and Dash and some of these projects. And, you know, they're obviously much, much faster. I think where Bitcoin's role lies is kind of like the reserve currency for the crypto space. So, you know, if you look at this from, like I said, from a macroeconomic uh, perspective, it's very, very similar to how the U.S. dollar functions in the fiat world. You know, you have the U.S. dollar, which is the global reserve currency. And then on top of that, you have all these derivatives, you know, uh, like bonds, like currencies, all these things actually ride on top of the dollar. So in the same way, you know, Bitcoin has kind of given birth to a whole new layer uh, of cryptocurrencies, but it still is the gateway into crypto. So if you want to invest in these ICOs or these tokens, you need to either buy Bitcoin or Ethereum. And these are kind of the gateway currencies now. So in a way, you know, Ethereum came from Bitcoin because, again, it was an ICO. So Bitcoin still has a huge, huge role. It's probably the most trusted, most secure network uh, within the crypto space. So in that sense, it has the most trust, um, and which means it will essentially be the reserve currency. So you'll see, you know, 
uh, the trend is that as the market tends to grow, that the Bitcoin dominance falls because more and more growth is being leveraged on top of Bitcoin. Bitcoin is kind of like the base money in that pyramid, you know, in the crypto world. And obviously, when the market corrects, um, more money tends to rush back into Bitcoin. So Bitcoin tends to outperform the market and you'll see Bitcoin dominance rise. And this is a trend, you know, we've seen play out this year over and over. So it's really interesting to, to understand that at, at a high level. And obviously, Bitcoin's going to be around for ages. Um, personally, I don't invest in Bitcoin myself. It has such big growth already, and I think the growth is in the other layers now. So once you really get deeper into the space, you'll start to understand where the other opportunities lie, and you may decide that maybe Bitcoin doesn't have the same upside um, if you are, you know, a speculator or an investor in this space, anyways, which is a high-risk return uh, area. You know, why would you hold money in Bitcoin, which is kind of playing it very safe, uh, unless you have, you know, all your net wealth in, in, in cryptos, in which case you might want to hold some Bitcoin, just like you would hold a cash position, you know, in a in a trading account. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. What what would be a blue chip portfolio in the crypto world, in your estimation? Uh, you know, what would um, be the conservative at, holdings? What would be the uh, the ones you think are really going to be uh, good long term and solid? Yeah, yeah. I think you know, typically anything in the top ten twenties is is considered at this point kind of blue chip. I mean, that's not guaranteed it's going to be around in a year or two because this whole space is so so speculative. But typically, those ones have been around for a while longer. They have more trust. Obviously, there's more premium built into them too. So, you know, so it's just like um, if you're investing in mining companies and, and you have these sort of majors like Rio Tinto or BHP, you know, those are sort of more trusted blue chip mining stocks, and they'll do well, but they won't do as well as uh, as junior stocks in a bull market. So you have sort of junior mining companies, and those are obviously higher risk return, but in a bull market, the junior companies will always outperform. So you really need to understand, are we in a bear market? Are we in a bull market? And kind of position yourself accordingly. And obviously, if you don't understand the space, you might want to err towards the side of caution, uh, lower risk, you know, blue chip stocks like Bitcoin, like Ethereum. But, you know, even Ethereum is super volatile. I've got people that bought in, you know, around three, 400 and they're freaking out when, you know, Ethereum goes down to two, 250. So uh, this is not like any other asset class you've probably invested in before. And you really need to understand what you're investing in so you don't get shaken out. I think that's the biggest risk if you're just chasing the market on the way up and you're not really a professional investor, you'll easily get scared when the market turns around on you. And that's we're seeing that happen right now. So Yeah, I've seen that happen many, many times. It's true. So what's what's your guess on where we're headed in the next six months or a year? I mean we probably can't go much further than that, but uh you know you, yeah, exactly. it sounds like you have a background <laughs> in, in finance, you see these gyrations you know, it's, it's normal yeah. to you. You see us in a bull market ongoing. Where do you see us going? Yeah, I think, you know, people say Bitcoin's in a bubble, crypto's in a bubble. And again, you've got to take a step back and look at the macro picture. You know, you've got maybe right now crypto crypto market cap is around $120 billion. And you look at, you know, the other asset classes in the fiat you know, world like uh, property, which is, you know, global property has $200 trillion uh, in assets. You know, global stocks have $50 trillion. Global bond markets, you know, government debt is like $100 trillion. So you have almost $350 trillion worth of fiat assets, you know, uh, basically denominated in the U.S. dollar. And that is what I would call a bubble. So, you know, a fraction, $150 or $120 billion is just a fraction of that. And if any of that money starts to move into the blockchain in a serious way, you're not really going to see any any real slowdown. Obviously, um, it's very, very normal to see big corrections, especially in a new market that's uncertain. And I think, you know, as governments are trying to catch up, obviously introduce uncertainty because, you know, they'll, they'll make these statements, these kind of extreme statements like we're going to ban ICOs, we're going to ban exchanges. And obviously, people that are coming in, there's new money, they'll freak out, they'll sell off. And so you're, it's very normal to see big corrections in a new market like this. Um, that's kind of moving up exponentially. But um, I think if you're waiting for these corrections and you're understanding what you're investing in, you know, you can wait till the market comes down 40, 50, 60 percent in some cases, then that's a really good time to, to buy for the long term. So, you know, I say to people, don't chase the highs, don't rush in and obviously don't put all your capital at risk. 
Uh, you don't really need to invest uh, all your savings when there's an exponential market. You know, you can put a small amount of capital in, and obviously, once you have some skin in the game, that's what I say to my group: is once you're actually investing, you pay a lot more attention and focus. If it's just theory and you're just reading articles, but you're not invested, you know, you never really get deep into the space. So that's why I recommend, you know, just take $100 or $200, just something, so you have some skin in the game, and that will really speed up the learning process. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm doing in my group. So yeah, that's a good idea. Very good. So the last, last couple items, let's talk about your groups. Um, how do listeners find out about your free group? And then once they're in the free one, can they jump to the paid one or can they go straight to the paid one? You know, what's involved? Yeah, so, you know, um, I'll send you the links. You know, you can put them in the show notes. But, yeah, there's a link for the, the paid group and the free group. Um, the paid group, the really right criteria is that, you know, you have at least $10,000 to invest in cryptos and that's not all your life savings so that you're not going to freak out and you can actually invest with confidence. And, you know, it's really meant for people that are already investors and are preferably have some experience with trading cryptocurrencies. So if you're not sure, you can always shoot me a message on Facebook. And for people that are not at that level, obviously the free group is there for people to really get them up to speed. Um, so the idea is, yeah, you know, educate people. And then once they're ready to move from the free group to, to the paid group, um, you know, that, that platform's there for them. So I'm really, it's, it's really all about education, whatever level you're at. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the goal of the groups. And, um, yeah, I'll send you the links for sure uh, after the call. Oh, do the groups have names, and and how much is the paid group, by the way? Yeah, the the paid group is called New Money Mastermind, and you can find that on Facebook. Uh, I'll send you the link, and that one is uh, right now it's it's two ninety nine a month, and there's a special discount running where uh, I discount it to ninety nine a month for the for the first twelve months. So that's just a way for people to get really you know their foot in the door as an investor and really learn about cryptocurrencies, and it's also meant as kind of a filter. So you know we try and keep the quality of the group very high, um, and then the, the the free group is called Crypto Curious People. And that's also on Facebook. So, you know, I'll send you the link for that one. And pretty much anyone can join that one as long as, you know, they're serious about learning. Uh, right now, it's a referral network. So people are just, you know, recommending uh, people from their friends and family. But, um, you know, if there's people in your audience that want to join and really jump in, uh, you know, they're more than welcome. All right. Very good, Mike. Uh, any last items you want to cover that we haven't talked about? Um, yeah, there's so much you can talk about, you know, with uh, with cryptocurrencies. My focus is really investor-centric. So I'm happy to come on the show again and, you know, talk again a few months where we are, I think. Right now, the market is in a big correction, so that's a good time to obviously uh, look at it very closely and see where there's opportunities when everyone's freaking out. You really want to buy when there's blood in the streets, and that's you know kind of a classic mm. contrarian investing. And obviously, when the market's moving up and you're seeing Bitcoin and Ethereum at all-time highs, that's really when you should take a step back and say, wait, maybe now is not the best time to invest. Just for people, you know, don't gotcha. jump in. Don't worry about FOMO. There's going to be so many opportunities to buy in this market. You don't need to chase it. And when the market turns around, when everyone's freaking out, and then you're educated, then then there's time to look at the opportunities. So yeah, that's we cover in the group. And obviously, yeah, come check it out. And uh, hopefully, you know, people take away a lot of value. Um, my goal is really just to spread awareness. Uh, I think this is a huge wave of capital. Uh, people don't really understand where it's going to go, but you know, it's just like the internet in the 1990s. There's so much potential, uh, so much growth. It's, it's an exciting time to be alive. Well, very good, Mike. Thank, thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Great. Thanks for having me on. Hope we do it again sometime. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com.
You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.